creating cultural awareness and understanding. This is Culture Click. Culture Click is written and produced by KQAL-FM on the campus of Winona State University. Today on Culture Click, we return to the No Name Bar for another nerdtastic monthly event, Nerd Night. Nerd Night is a beer-filled history channel to those who are passionate enough to speak to their heart's content. So if you enjoy knowledge more than anyone, or perhaps you're passionate enough to be called a nerd, well then this safe haven of Nerdvana is a place to be. So take a seat and grab a drink with some friends, because it's Nerd Night from the No Name Bar, today on Culture Click. Hello, nerds. Let's do that again. Hello, nerds. Yeah, there's our nerds. Welcome to Nerd Night Winona. I'm Carl. Uh, there's Emily back there. We are your Nerd Night Winona bosses. Who here is it your first time at Nerd Night Winona? Let's see those hands. Oh, look at that. Awesome crowd. Thank you for coming. So Nerd Night Winona, for those that are new who have, are experiencing this for the first time, what is it? Uh, Nerd Night is premised on the idea that learning is more fun while having a drink. Cheers. It's not an endorsement by hams. I recommend it, but it's not, a, not an endorsement. Um, some say Nerd Night is like the Discovery Channel with beer, which, you know, Shark Week, man, that's good times. Shark Week with beer is even better times. So how did this all start? How did it all begin? Uh, Nerd Night didn't actually start here in Winona. It actually started with this guy, Chris, in Boston at a bar called The Midway in uh, 2003. So that's about 20 years ago. And Chris, uh, what's cool about him is he is a evolutionary gen uh, biologist, and he specifically studied birds in the Cameroon. Uh, so we would go over and travel uh, and go and study these birds, and the birds he would study are these ones. These are called the indigo birds. They look kind of cute, um, but they're actually kind of mean. So indigo birds are actually parasitic birds. They lay their eggs in other birds' nests. Uh, that's not unheard of. Uh, the cowbird here in the U.S. does that. However, these indigo birds have a special little feature. They not only uh, are laid in other birds' eggs, but once they are there, they will actively push out the other eggs in the nest. So here we see a little, little indigo bird. Come on, little guy. You can do it. You kinda, I kind of want to cheer him on. It's like, ah, you can do it. Anyway, so this is clearly very fascinating, and all of Chris's friends thought so as well. So he would head back home, uh, and he'd get to the midway, and he, every time his friends would come in, they'd be like, hey, Chris, tell us about your birds. And he'd tell the story. It happened over and over again. Eventually, the bartenders got really sick and tired of hearing the same story over and over again. So they said, Chris, you get one chance, one chance to nerd out on your research with your friends. And that is how Nerd Night was born. Uh, after a little bit, uh, Chris had a friend in New York City. Uh, and, and Chris convinced Matt to uh, start up Nerd Night in New York City. And from there, it spread all over the world. So how did Nerd Night come to Winona? Well, uh, I have a friend, Michelle, um, and she happened to be friends with Matt and did Nerd Night in New York City. And then we both ended up, Michelle and I, at uh, Cornell for grad school. Uh, and uh, we met at a brew fest. Um, so uh, Michelle, she is really into animals. She's a veterinarian and uh, animal geneticist. Uh, I also really like animals as well. Uh, bacon. Um, Michelle's vegan. But we bonded over beer and nerdiness, and we started uh, Nerd Night in Ithaca, 
Uh, from there, I went from, finished my grad school, went to Germany, came here to, uh, to Winona, and I'm like, hey, Winona's a great place, and you know what? Beer here is pretty cheap. We need a nerd night. We need to be able to learn and have a beer at the same time. So I was like, let's get a nerd night going. I found out that Emily also had experience with Nerd Night in Madison, Wisconsin. So we got together and we started Nerd Night Winona. We are now on our 28th Nerd Night. Uh, and we have a special Nerd Night tonight, of course, because we are here with Winona Farmers Market. Let's give Winona Farmers a round of applause. They are 50 in their 50th year this year. Um, I think eventually when Nerd Night gets to 50 years, maybe we should flip it around and do like a Nerd Night thing at the farmer's market. That'd be, that'd be cool, yeah. Um, so again, I already mentioned it, but definitely please, uh, when you get a chance, if you haven't yet, visit the information booth, learn more about the farmer's market, sign up for fabulous prizes. Uh, we're gonna have our first drawing, because there's actually three prizes. We'll have our first drawing after our first speaker. So uh, let's actually get our first speaker up here. Uh, please welcome to the stage, Sandy Paler. So Sandy uh, is the proprietor of Firefly Flower Gardens, um, fabulous vendor at the farmer's market. Um, she's been involved at uh, the farmer's market for about five years? Uh, 13. 13, okay. Oh, that's right. You've been there for 13 and growing flowers for five, five to six. Committed to cut flowering for yeah. five. And then, but the really exciting thing is this is her first year where that's your gig. That's your thing. Yeah. So that's really, really awesome. Sandy's going to tell us all about flowers uh, and our Firefly Flower Gardens, so please give her a warm applause. Thank you. Okay, I have to put my nerd glasses on to see this. So, <laughs> um, I've always enjoyed doing flowers. Um, as we moved from the cities in fifth grade to a farm up in Wisconsin, and uh, nobody wanted to f garden with me there because I would bury the weeds rather than weed them and the person who got the row next had to have double weeding duty. So um, that I'm even doing any gardening, my family is amazed. So that's a little about me. I've done this for 13 years. Six years ago, we committed to doing just cut flowers rather than selling perennials and bouquets at the market. And we built our first greenhouse, 15 by 20. I always say, go bigger. We should have went bigger. It is packed to the rim. We have put shelves every conceivable place inside the greenhouse we can now. And two years ago, we finally put in a wood stove to heat it rather than using our space heaters. We're costing us a little bit of money. So that page is done. Here's our outdoor holding area for our seedling sales that we do at the farmer's market. And then we have raised beds that we plant our early cool flowers in and our late um, cut flowers go in there too, which is now being covered, which we will also put a wood stove in that area to help us from having to put up tents and teepees over all of our flowers. This is going to go way faster in 20 minutes. <laughs> we do soil blocking first after we order our seeds, which is early winter. The rule of ordering your plants in your seeds is when you cut them, you order them. So we just finished doing tulips, so I should be putting my order in for next year's tulips already. So we use the soil blocking, which is a special soil that you create that stays compact and tight when you press it through these presses. And then they come out like these little cubes. We mostly do the three-quarter inch, but there is the one-inch block also. 
This is a full germination, which is amazing in itself. So, um, first, we press them out, we seed them, then we put them on a meat tray, which is styrofoam, and we can fit 50, 50 uh, little soil blocks on a tray and three trays in one of the big black trays. So you have 150 plants per tray for that volume that we plant. Uh, this is our seedling room, which we expanded last year to have five racks of four feet by two feet, and they hold 16 of those trays each. Then we have a seedling starter rack, which is near our wood stove, which is where we start the seeds because we don't need heat mats because the wood stove keeps it plenty warm. These are the seedlings after they're starting to grow. And then after the seedlings, we get to the field work. This is, we started probably, you know, our quarter acre, which gradually grew to an acre, which we could handle with the little craftsmen. But in order not to kill my husband, I <laughs> we decided to go get a Durander tractor, which will now till the three acres that we do. Um, first we till it, then we rake it into raised hills so that we can control the rainwater. And so like when it, we're in a valley, so every one of our plots are on a hill. So when it rains, this also helps prevent it from washing out. And then we also cover it with landscape paper, fabric, which is reused every year. So we're on our fifth year using the landscape fabric, and it can last up to 20 years of reusing. So after that, we burn the holes in it. That keeps it from fraying so that we can reuse it year after year. And in these plots here, um, we grow our annuals. That would be our fillers, our focal fillers, or our flower fillers, and then our focals. Um, we have five plots that we till. Two are for the annuals, um, focals. Two or three are for filler flowers and for filler foliage. We have 13 70-foot rows in one, seven 70-foot rows in another, and then in the back, in the other three plots, they're 40-foot rows, and each row is four feet wide. Yes, it prevents the weeds, because obviously I don't like to weed. <laughs> so, if I had to weed, I probably would not be growing flowers. So that's what it's for. And these are our focal flowers that we do, and a succession, or how they bloom in order of our season. First, our tulips. This year, last fall, we planted 2,000 tulips, and they get laid in there like an eggshell. And this, this is not the ones that we planted. Actually, we planted many more different types. But they all decided to bloom in about a week and a half this year. So you can put them in the cooler, and they hold up like new, but you pull the whole thing. You pull the bulb and the tulip, and you store them in the cooler that way. And they can give you a month in the cooler. And when you cut them, you just wrap them tightly and put them in the water, and they rehydrate just like they were picked. So they, you know, they're perfectly fine. And the peonies come next, which will be at the end of this week to next week. We have two garden beds of peonies, one with 75 plants and one with 125. We have about eight different varieties, and also... Those go in the cooler. We pick them in a soft marshmallow stage. We don't let them open, and they're not hard when you touch them. They're just a little squishy, and you pick them, and you put them in the cooler, and when you take them out, you hydrate them, and they're just like cutting them fresh. And I've actually, pardon me? 
Uh, right now I'm just using a great big Pepsi cooler. <laughs> it's only like a double door one. So we have plans of building another co a cooler which you would put a cool bot in and a window air conditioner to regulate the heat and keep, or the cold, that keep it at 38 degrees. Um, let's see, peony. Mm, I think that's it. So then our next one will be lilies. I do mostly Asiatic, a few LAs. We succession plant them so that we have a continual bloom most of the summer, but they also come back year after year, unless you have the moles in the voles that will come in and like ate a whole half a row this year. So good thing you order those to keep them going. Next are some Lysianthus, which are like a rose. And they're not a bulb or anything. We grow them from seed. We start them in January 1st. They are the slowest growing flower that we grow. They won't bloom until August, but they're worth it. They are the longest lasting in a vase. Then we have calla lilies, which are a bulb which you have to dig up every year and store. This is our only second year growing this, and we only started because I had a wedding that wanted them. So we'll see how they survive my storing. But you just wrap them in paper, I guess, each individually, stick it in a plastic bag, and leave the bag open in a cool, dark area for the winter, which just goes in our basement. Then we have sunflowers, and we plant all of these varieties. So we start with the lightest ones, like the lemon, the whites, and the and of course the traditional sun orange. And then we just change them out as the season goes to match the season. So fall will be the reds and the bicolor red and yellow. We plant 500 a week, and hopefully we can find this, the space to put them because open ground is getting scarce at this point. <laughs> but um, we've got our first five in. This week we're supposed to be planting our second five, but it's the push week of Memorial to put everything in. So we have a lot to do this week. Next, the bloom are our dahlias, but in between these, we also have all the annuals are starting to bloom in the garden by July. So the zinnias, the snaps, all the fillers, and everything should be coming into bloom. Then we have the dahlias that we put in on Memorial Day weekend, which becomes a family event. We have my daughter and her family and the grandkids out there at this point. This is our old field where we only had seven rows. But now we have eight to nine, and they have 70 holes in each. And to maximize it, we always throw more than one bulb in the hole to get more plants. Because, yeah, space is a, an issue at this point. Um, there's so many different kinds. There's the decorative, there's dinner, there's palms, there's cactus, there's anemones. We focus on the balls because they last the longest. And for when we take them to the stores, they're gonna last the longest. You have to pick them pretty open, but you want them a little tight in the middle. As with all of them, the peonies we want to take to the store where they're just starting to open, and the lilies we like to take not open yet either, um, just to give them a longer vase life. And hopefully people catch on to that, that their bouquets are gonna last a lot longer. Um, here's our lily or day lily field. And the little bags on all of them, we cover all of our blooms with a bag to prevent the bugs from getting them because we don't use any pesticide. So um, the bags keep the bugs off and give you a perfect bloom. And we take them off and put them on. Take them off and put them on all season. So then at the end of the season, there's always the storage tuber. Dahlias are the biggest pain that we have. <laughs> so we have to dig out 
1,000 to 1,500 dahlias every fall. Cut them apart. Um, we live out in the country, and, you know, here's my wood. They don't bother us. You know, they might take one or two things. They do like my pussy willow bushes. Uh, they'll eat the lilies, but we fence those. Anything that we know for sure they're going to attack, we'll put a, a netting around. But I like the tulips, we just put double netting over the top, which is for support for standing, but they don't like to touch things. So as soon as they sense something, they leave. You could, They'll walk down the row and we'll see their feet, but they've not reached in and touched them. So that's a trick. These are the tubers that we dig out, and when we cut them apart, they need an eye on them, which is really hard to see because our season is so short that when we have to dig them quickly to get them out of the ground before they freeze, we can hardly see the eye. So by the time I actually get to clean them, they start to form a little eye as they're sitting. And then you, each one of these can form 3 to 15 more plants for the next year. So when we put 35 of one kind, we obviously have extra and room to screw up. So Then we wrap them individually. We have a saran wrap in a box, and we put one in, fold it over, put another one in, fold it over, till we end up with a big ball of dahlias, and that's how I store them. One kind in one box, all wrapped in balls and labeled. Um, they have to have a little eye on them, so you cut a little bit of this off. This is where I would cut this, and then just store it. The whole bulb, um, there, this tuber here that you kind of see right here, is attached to the stem. So you want to get that eye and the tuber and roll it and then keep adding to it. And that's how we store them in the basement, which is maybe a little too warm for them. Sometimes that's okay. I, we've never really lost a lot of them. Um, they're growing when I take them out of the storage. They can be like this tall, but we, we could break them down so that you know they, they're just under the surface of the soil when we plant them in this Memorial Day weekend. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we have a lot of work to do. These are our air chrysanthemums, heirloom. We ordered them in, and we can only get them from cutting. You can't grow them from seed. So we just got those in last week, and we put them into the containers to grow. You keep pinching them back until the 4th of July, or maybe a little later if you don't want it to be six feet. Um, there's so many varieties, and they're huge blooms. They last forever in a vase. So these mostly bloom after the season's done at the market, and they mostly hit the local grocery stores. This is um, the extended part on our greenhouse at the end where we had the raised beds that we're now covering. This is what we had to do last year. We didn't have the top roof on yet, so we had to make all these teepees over all of them to keep them from freezing. And then we have our little space heater down there at the bottom, plugged in out in the cold and rain. Safety first. <laughs> so yeah. Um, so how we make an income from this is through the farmer's market. I sell seedlings, vegetables, herbs, and flower, annual flower seedlings in the early spring. Hopefully they're done by mid-July when all the other flowers start to bloom. And then we bring all the bouquets in. Some are in vases. Some will go in sleeves. Some are by the stem if you want to buy. Um, and then by mid-July... It's all cut flowers, and I bring all the flowers to the market to process because I used to try and make all the bouquets the night before, but now it's such a big production, it's not impossible. I'm up till 3 in the morning 
and then go to market. So now I just bring them and everybody gets to watch me make them. I make a few just to be ahead. Um, okay. These are our local groceries that we take to right now. We take to the Rochester Fruit when the annuals start coming. Um, we do Midtown Foods and the Country Co-op, and they're there weekly. We deliver Wednesdays unless they sell out and they would like more, then we make more deliveries. Um, we hope to increase that somehow, but we've also started to selling to the florist, local florist, and so that's picking up and we'll see if we can supply them, we'll see. We also do CSAs, which is a uh, pickup at the market, and you can order, you pay for them to pick up once a week, or every other week, or once a month. It's just a set fee, and then we put, make a bouquet in like a quart, uh, yeah, a quart canning jar, and then you just come pick it up. So it's a substantial bouquet that you would pick up. We've been doing that for, four years now, and it goes over okay. We also do gift certificates. Supported agricultural community. Yeah, that's it. That would be it. So to extend the season, we do pre-ordered Christmas pots, and we do porch pots, tree topper pots. We also deliver evergreens to the local grocery stores. We are now getting to what they call woodies, which you, we have curly twigs. These are the ones I ordered this year, and we're rooting them and putting them out in the field as soon as we find a spot. We have winter berries that we started, so those will be coming as soon as I buy the male one because I forgot to buy all the males. <laughs> so, yeah, they haven't given me any berries yet, but they will this year. Um, that's about all, and I don't know if I fit 20 minutes, but you know, maybe I just you talked too perfect. fast. <laughs> that was great. Let's have a round of applause for Sandy. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Are you, can, uh, can you take a couple of questions here? I sure can. Cool. All right. Any questions for Sandy? Um, this is literally the most I've learned about plants ever. Um, the, you were talking about heirlooms having to be uh, grown from cuttings rather than mm -hmm. seeds. Why is that? Um, I don't know if they just don't sell them or what it is, but that's the only way we can get them is through a cutting. Uh, do you wash the bulbs, the dirt off when you store them? Yes, and then we let them dry, and then when we cut them, we also let them callous over so that they're not wet and soggy. So it's our first growing season here, and I'm kind of a traditionally a black thumb when it comes to things, so are there a couple of plants that you'd recommend are pretty hardy that would be hard for me to kill? For flowers? Yes. Um, zinnias are pretty hardy. You'll get a big boom for your color. Any perennial that you want to come back every year. A big thanks to the staff of Nerd Night as well as a no-name bar for making this whole event possible. Be sure to tune in next week for a part two continuation of this amazing event Thursdays at 1230. Otherwise, be sure to check out Nerd Night on their Facebook at Nerd Night Winona, visit Winona.com or NerdNight.com. To keep up with all things Winona or the surrounding Midwest area, tune in to Culture Click Thursdays at 12.30 p.m. here on 89.5 KQAL, online at kqal.org, on the app, or on your favorite smart speaker, or wherever you get your general pod stuffs. I'm Don Alzate, keeping it nerdy. Creating cultural awareness and understanding. You've been listening to Culture Click. Support for Culture Click is made possible by the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Culture Click is produced by KQAL-FM on the campus of Winona State University. 
For more information, look us up on the web at kqal.org. And thanks for listening to Culture Click.